Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Indeed makes it easy to connect with your applicants, and Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed's doing something that no other job site has done. Now with Indeed, businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash AppleBits to start hiring now. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 229. We are going strong, all thanks to you. We've got some stories. Apple just reported their latest earnings. We have some new iOS 16 developments. Also, Apple released kind of the latest updates to their betas and their public betas that you can try at home. Plus, uh, a little bit of Metaverse talk, and maybe the Apple Car development is moving along finally. We will get to all of that. But first, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support my content, the podcast, all of the above. It starts at $2 per month, goes up to 5 which is like a cup of coffee, the 10 the $25, the $100 platinum Apple level. Now, we got some cool stuff cooking. We are doing this month starting August 1st. All you got to do is sign up for Patreon. You can go in there, and we're doing a Close Your Rings Challenge, and I'm giving away three of the full set employee-only Close Your Ring towel sets from 2021 that were only given to employees. I acquired three full sets, and you can participate and be potentially one of three winners from my Close Your Rings Challenge that you can only participate at at patreon.com slash Tong. It's just a way... To kind of build our community, get fitness. This is the third one we've done. It's going to be the biggest and baddest one because, you know, I kind of upped the ante by giving away the full towel sets. And I just think it's really fun and we can compete and see how everyone is doing. And uh, it's a good time. So check it out. Not only do you, can you do that, we do our live streams every month and you get early access to my content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad free version of this show. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. All right, uh, just so I want to jump in before we get to the show, just a quick little personal story uh, because it kind of pushed back some content. I went through some crazy stuff last weekend. I was at Comic-Con. I just went on Sunday, but as I left, Google Maps took me to an area that was not the best, according to uh, the police, and I was at a intersection where normally you are going to turn right and you wait for a pedestrian to cross, and there's a pedestrian, and I wanted to let that pedestrian cross, but as he was crossing, he gave me this kind of weird look, and then I was like, okay, what's that? And all of a sudden, I see him with a sock, and it has something in it, and as he gets closer, basically right next to my car, I realize he reaches back. All this feels like in slow motion. I start rolling my car a little bit, and he throws this or swings this sock with this heavy stuff in it at my driver's side window while I am inside the car, completely shatters my driver's side window completely. It sounded like a huge glass explosion. I kind of like freaked out. I got out of there real quick. My reaction was just go, go, go. I didn't look back. I didn't know if he was coming after me or what else was he was trying to do. There was glass everywhere. Um, I was lucky enough to get away with just a few nicks and cuts. Um, I found police a few blocks, like maybe four or five blocks out and um, filed a report. Of course, they didn't find the guy. And then because there was glass everywhere, I drove home with my Comic-Con bag on my driver's seat chair 
with the window completely shattered to get back to the North Hollywood Burbank area uh, for what took like two hours and 45 minutes. So it was a crazy event. Honestly, I do not wish on anyone. It was, it was, I'm, I think it's okay to say that it was a traumatic event, but it happened. And so the only reason I bring this up is yes, it slowed down a little bit of my content this week, but also these type of things are happening closer to our circles. And I just want to encourage you all to just be aware and be more aware of what's happening because this stuff is actually becoming more normal and it happened to me. And so I just want to let you all know that to be safe out there. And thanks for listening. And, you know, you can't stop the crazy, but we can also be good to each other. So um, that's my spiel there. Okay, let's, I know, crazy, right? All right, let's get to the show here. And we're going to start off, we're going to talk a little bit about Apple just releasing the latest fourth developer betas and the second public betas of iOS, iPadOS, watchOS, MacOS Ventura. Um, I do want to focus on kind of some of the tweaks that happened in iOS 16 beta 4 because those are probably the most significant tweaks that we've seen. I think iOS 16 is going to be super exciting. As I've used it more on a secondary phone, as Apple has tweaked it more, it's it, it's going to be the best iOS 16 that we've seen in a long time where people are going to finally feel like, oh, this feels like a significant change Um you know, they're still betas. They're not always completely stable. That's why I don't put it on my main phone. But we know one of the features that Apple has is their new ability for both mail and mess iMessage to be able to edit and undo send changes in iMessage. So what happened is there's always been a 15-minute window for editing an iMessage. At, at launch, that was also going to be the same window for um, unsending a message but it has now been reduced to two minutes after it's delivered. And the reason why I bring that up is because I know some of y'all, I've been there, (laughs) you've been there, you get really passionate about stuff and you might write something you didn't want to or you might send something, not me, that you didn't want to in a picture form that you don't want to. (laughs) Did my voice just crack? (laughs) Anyways, um, you only have two minutes to delete that or to unsend that after it's been delivered, there will be a log where someone can see that you at least unsent a message. And then also in any of these edited messages, and I like I said, there's still a 15-minute window to edit an iMessage. You'll be able to tap on kind of there's a notation that it's been edited. You can tap on it and you can view uh, basically a breakdown of the changes you made. And iMessages can now also only be edited a total of five times before the edit option disappears. So remember, 15 minute window to edit a message. You can edit it five times. People can see it. And now the time to unsend an iMessage is two minutes after it's delivered. None of this works with green bubbles, only with blue bubbles, just to let you know. So be aware. Also, I think another game changer that hasn't really been talked about of how we use our phones, live activity. So this is going to be on the lock screen. You're going to be able when apps can you know link it to the proper API to allow this to be used you're going to be able to see like your Uber pickup status or sports scores happening live on your lock screen without even jumping into your phone i love this feature i hope that this also is incorporated into their always on rumored display functionality but live activities will just kind of show up like a a little thicker than a notification bar 
Could you imagine seeing like your Uber pickup and seeing where the car is in progress from like a dotted line from where they're at to where you're at and the rough time? You can see sports scores quarter by quarter. I always ask Siri about scores. Now you can kind of see it in real time when it pings the servers for the information. So the big thing here is live activities in the beta. They're not active. If they're only available if you get a test flight you know, hookup, which means a developer sends you early access to be able to try this. Live activities, again, real-time glanceable information on the lock screen, but this feature, it is included, um, or at least right now it's being part of the beta, but it will not be publicly released until iOS 16.1. It's going to be featured and enabled in an update later this year, so we're expecting 16.1, Typically, that's when they release like all the new emojis that they're compatible with, as well as sometimes even 16.2. So just wait on that. But I think you're going to love live activities. I know the way that I use it. I'm going to love them. They've also added some new wallpapers in the home app, um, some new architectural stuff, new colors, wildflowers. Um, There's also, again, new time limits for undoing sending in mail. So at first... In the first three betas, the time limit for unsending an email was 10 seconds, but the fourth beta now gives you an option of either 10, 20, or 30 seconds. I would choose 30 seconds just because 10 is too short. Sometimes I go back. I mean, there's plenty of times where I wanted to unsend an email and make a correction, and that that was not happening. So you have the option to at least choose 10, 20, or 30 seconds. Um, there's also like an enhanced look to the lock screen for notifications. You have a new lock screen interface and then uh, a bolder music player on the lock screen as well. But this is, here's what's really cool. What has been dug up in the latest iOS 16 beta is the idea of an always on screen, at least for iPhone users. And yes, I've said year over year, it's been available on Android phones, other phones, but not the iPhone. What it looks like as discovered by 9to5Mac is that the latest iOS 16 beta adds a new sleep state to the default wallpapers found in iOS 16. And this new sleep mode versions of these wallpapers are extremely darker. They're more tinted. It would be like if you put almost one of those screen protector or privacy screen filters and it has that kind of completely dark look over it. But obviously these are going to be better suited if you think about it for an always on display and this new sleep state really is kind of like a photo filter but obviously it's not the full brightness the full colors and then the assumptions that we'll see the overlays of maybe some specific icons maybe some of these live activities and a list of notifications in a darker format but this is the first time we've seen any i would say physical evidence related to wallpapers of a sleep mode or a sleep state. And that, I mean, if there's not a tell or a giveaway of what's coming, that's going to be another feature. And yes, it's software. And is it a game changer? We'll see how it's implemented, but I've always loved the lock screen accessibility. Even just seeing something as simple as like the time faded out and not having to wait for the screen to pop up. Yes, it's like a second or two. I just, for a phone, because you can deliver more information, I find it more useful than on the Apple Watch, which, you know, I never really, the always on display on the Apple Watch, I never, it's really never made a difference for me. Okay, so if we're talking about some of the software updates, let's talk about the iPhone 14 Pro and rumors around that. So we've heard across the board, we're expecting six gigs of RAM across the entire 
iPhone 14 lineup. And just to refresh your memory, iPhone 14, iPhone 14 Max, which would be the larger screen, iPhone 14 Pro, and iPhone 14 Pro Max. That is the expected lineup. The Mini appears to not be part of this lineup. And we've heard, look, Apple never publicly talks about the RAM and memory or the memory that they use in their phones. So this is a, we are starting to hear a lot about this more. But in this new lineup, it's been reported by Digitimes that the 14 Pro and 14 Pro Max will have not only six gigs of memory, but they'll be using a faster, more efficient type of memory. It'll be LP DDR5. And if you compare that to the iPhone 14 and 14 Max, those will be still using the LD, LP DDR4X speed of memory from the previous iPhone 13 lineup. The other thing that we've heard here and continue to hear is that not only will the iPhone 14 and 14 Max use the RAM from the iPhone 13s, the previous models, and that's fine. I mean, it's not the end of the world to me. But they're also planning to still use the same processor, the A15 chip from the iPhone 13 in the iPhone 14 and 14 Max. It appears that the iPhone 14 Pro and 14 Pro Max will be the only two models that will get the newer A16 chip. This is according to reports. And what I'm assuming and guessing is not only will that processor be a little faster and the memory be faster and the system be overall more efficient, the assumption is, okay, well, we know that they're going to get a, an improved camera, 8K video, so maybe you need a little bit of that extra juice. Would they really just do an always-on display for just the 14 Pro? That would me be a crime to me if that's the case. I hope. It's not the case. I hope they even extend the always-on capability to the iPhone 13s and the 14 lineups. We will wait and see. But, you know, the reports are all out about this. They are still rumored. But another interesting thing to me would be, is Apple going to advertise the fact that the Pro models have a faster processor, faster memory, to give another, to really call out a distinction between the 14 and 14 Max versus the 14 Pro and the 14 Pro Max. And the reason why I ask this is because Apple has never publicly stated the amount of memory in their iPhones. And this would be a first if they do this. We don't know, but we'll see. We know that some of the other feature changes feature changes in the iPhone 14 lineup, improved cameras, potentially a new purple color, which you know I'll be all over. You then have the hole punch and pill-shaped notch replacement and more that's happening, but that's the latest that we've heard of the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro lineup. Also, Ming-Chi Kuo reported that there's been some quality control issues about the rear camera lens cracking, at least during assembly and putting it together in the new iPhone 14 models, this new camera that is reportedly, right, 48 megapixel rear camera, potentially 8K video, but it has not caused any disruptions for launch, just like a little production hiccups that are happening behind the scenes. Also happening behind the scenes. Do, do you know we could have, everyone was asking for um, a Mac Pro or at least hope, hope, hoping to see something like that. And in a recent conversation that Mark Gurman had on a podcast, he said that his, he, he, it's the first time he's actually outright said that. He said that the Mac Pro 
with an with an advanced M1 processor was set and ready to go at WWDC this year, but Apple decided to hold off and wait for the rumored M2 Extreme, which is reportedly two M2 Ultra chips fused together, which remember the M1 Ultra was two M1 Maxes put together. So it's like four M1 Maxes. Now we're saying we would say four M2 Maxes put together for a potential new Mac Pro. But Apple was potentially going to drop it at WWDC, but then they thought better and said, hey, let's go out. Let's just wait it out. Because also the reality is that the Mac Pro is such a niche product for them. It is a tentpole to say, look at what we can do for the creatives. And so that's exciting. But I'm glad they waited and I don't know how much that machine will be, but I'm waiting to see what that machine does. And that's why I have not purchased a Mac Studio yet. And if that machine is way, way overkill or if I feel like that's going to be a good machine for me in the long term to really be my main, main machine, because we see the difference between M1 and M2 generations, we're getting what a little bit of a 10 to 18% increase in performance based on different benchmarks that are all out there. We're not going to see any big jumps from Intel to M1 anymore. It's just going to be more incremental between the M1, the M2, the M3. So that's why I'm ready to hunker down and maybe throw down on whatever this new Mac Pro is. And if not, the Mac Studio will suit me just fine. And the reality is that the M1 Max MacBook Pro is incredible. And I have not felt like I've missed anything um, from it during some of my renders. Another thing that we've heard now is that Apple has allegedly prototyped a redesigned 27-inch iMac with an M1 Max chip and a black finish and did it last year. So Mac Rumors, there's a forum member named Amethyst who before there was really concrete information about the name and the specs of the Mac Studio accurately revealed those details um, with the M1 Max chip, 20-core GPU, 48-core, sorry, 28-core, 20-core CPU, 40-core GPU. So that user recently published information about three iMacs that Apple prototyped but has not released. And we'll see if it ends up being what they release or if they wait for an M2 for this. But according to the report and according to the post, the first one, iMac, 27-inch, prior to August 2021, used the same design as the discontinued Intel-based iMac, 27-inch, but they put an M1 chip. So think about that would be like the older, smooth, curvy design. There was a second one around August 2021 that used the same design as the current 24-inch iMac, but with a 27-inch display and an M1 chip. And that's what I think a lot of people were expecting or hoping to see. But then a third one that was specced out around November 2021 Use the same chip as the 24-inch iMac, which would be an M1, but it had a 27-inch XDR display, black finish, and an M1 Max chip inside of it. Now, according to Amethyst, their sources are not aware of any other larger iMac models having been prototyped by Apple since the three that we mentioned. And if you look at the timelines, the, the guess would be that that third one, similar design to the 24-inch iMac, but with the 27-inch XDR display, black finish, and M1 Mac chip would be 
kind of the prototype that we would expect to see whenever they release this new larger iMac Pro. So we'll see, you know, especially you talk about that black finish, larger pro display, really interesting. And we'll see if they do it or not. I mean, there's also a lot to be said of them not doing it and saying, hey, just get a buy a Mac Studio, buy a separate display, and kind of pushing people in that direction because then you look at the high, high end as a Mac Pro with whatever the next pro display XDR is, that those that would kind of create three product slots for consumer to prosumer to pro pro professional. So we'll see how that all happens. Also, Apple begins selling the refurbished iPhone 12 mini. The mini is not dead just yet, but it's selling refurbished mini 12s for the first time in the US. They started selling as of Thursday. Um, and you can get them if you want. I mean, do do I get a refurbished mini purple just because? No, I'm going to control myself. No, I don't need to. But right, it's a 5.4-inch OLED display, A14 Bionic, 5G, dual 12 megapixel. That could be the last mini we see if the rumors are correct. That is, if they are correct. And then if you want to talk about Apple and their future of cars, I mean, we all know that, again, if you watch the keynote, Look at that whole CarPlay section. It was incredible. And when you look at that, you keep on saying, well, it's only going to look that good if Apple does it. But what recently has happened is that Apple's hired former Lamborghini executive, Luigi Taraborelli, a 20-year veteran at Lamborghini, to help lead the design of the vehicle. So he oversaw things like the chassis and vehicle dynamics engineering and R&D at Lamborghini. Um, He's helped to lead the design of the suspension components, rims, tires, steering, brake systems. And Apple has been obviously long rumored to be wanting to build a car. And we've seen so many stalls and we don't know exactly what they're going to do yet. It's been on in the works since 2014, you know, and the project remains still a little up in the air because they've changed out so many managers. Right now it's being led by Kevin Lynch, who is the gentleman you see typically uh, that talks about the Apple Watch in all of Apple's videos. And then John Gene Andrea, who's the head of their machine learning team. Um, earlier in the month, inf- the information, which is an outlet, Wayne Ma, he reported about Apple's design goals when for their vehicle. And it stirred up a lot of interesting thoughts because, right, they're saying, hey, Apple wants to, you know, build a car that does not have a steering wheel. And of course, everyone was like, what? No steering wheel no brake pedal. Uh, The concept based on the reports would include four seats facing inwards to be like a social car. I mean, if someone wants to sleep, I don't want to stare at them, but okay, I guess. A curved ceiling that resembles the roof on a Volkswagen Beetle and a trunk that automatically rises for easy access. Apple even pushed for exemptions from the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to release a vehicle without a steering wheel and a break. It'd be like kind of like a more personal commuter type leisure car. Kind of reminds me of like a monorail from Disneyland, but in car form. Again, that was the report and what Apple's thinking was. I'd, you know, Lamborghini is obviously a super, super high-end luxury sports car, but without someone to really lead the design, this, this is kind of a really intriguing hire. And the reality is that, okay, there were reports that said Apple aims to begin mass production of an Apple car by 2025. If they're trying to get a car without a steering wheel and a brake pedal, that's not 2025 to me. 
2028, 2030. I mean, what what could that be? Or maybe with this new hire, they've shifted their priorities on what their car design will be. But CarPlay looks amazing. I hope to one day own a car that could take advantage of the concept that we saw. Or is that just total vaporware and we'll never see anything close like that? Uh, Apple said they're working with plenty of manufacturers, but it'll be interesting to see the first company that is compatible with Apple's new CarPlay experience that they previewed at WWDC with iOS 16. Um, I'm very intrigued by that, quite honestly. All right, let's take a moment to say big thank yous to Indeed for sponsoring this podcast. You know, I've got a puzzle for you all. What would you do if your business had to hire great people fast? Here's a hint. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job according to Indeed data in the US. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined according to TalentNest. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed makes all hiring in one place so easy and I always talk about their instant match feature, but they have another killer feature called sponsoring jobs. Now, no other job site takes care of you like Indeed because with Indeed, you only have to pay an applicant if an applicant meets your must-have requirements. So Indeed puts you in control of what you pay. You set your must-have job requirements and only pay for applications that meet them. There's a transparent flat fee per application and you can pause your job posting whenever you want. When you sponsor an Indeed post, you're four and a half times more likely to get a hire according to Indeed data worldwide. And Indeed's doing something no other job site has done. Now with Indeed, businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description. So visit Indeed.com slash AppleBits to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's check out Apple's third quarter 2022 financial results. Uh, I guess you say the third fiscal quarter of 2022. That corresponds to the second calendar quarter of the year. So that would be April. Yes, April, May, June would be that. Um, For the quarter, Apple posted a revenue of $83 billion and a net quarterly profit of $19.4 billion. That is compared to a year ago in the same quarter, revenues of $81.4 billion and net quarterly profit of $21.7. So they had a higher revenue and a a slightly lower netly quarterly profit. Now, Apple doesn't break down sales or anything like that. But iPhone and services revenue reached June records while Mac, iPad, and wearables and home and accessories, their revenue was down. So iPhone up $40.6 billion compared to $39.5 billion a year ago's quarter. iPad $7.2 billion down from $7.3 in the year ago quarter. Mac $7.3 billion down from $8.2 billion in the year ago quarter. And that... Part of that, I mean, that if I recall right, the new 
M1 IMAX were released in that April-ish time frame last year. You have wearables, home, and accessories, $8.0 billion down from 8.7. And then services, $19.6 billion up from $17.4 billion compared to last year's quarter. And that, look at that. That's over $2 billion improvement in their services business. And remember, all of those years that I, uh, Tim Cook was saying we're going to double down on services that has reaped its benefits now looking way down the future. Apple has now 860 million paid subscriptions across all of its services. That's according to company's chief financial officer, Luca Maestri, 860 million subscriptions, not subscribers, but subscriptions, right? And some of those are Apple One plans that can be shared with family. Um, Tim Cook also expects Apple's September quarter growth, which is coming up next, to grow and accelerate despite pockets of softness, um, which would be some areas including like digital advertising across its platforms, but they're still expecting another record quarter. And the other thing is that before this earnings report, there have been reports from outlets saying how Apple is deliberately slowing down um, their hiring, but... Of course, to counter that, and everyone's saying, hey, a recession is coming. We're looking at the financial numbers across the economy. How are companies going to react to this? To try to counter that, I guess, during the earnings, uh, Tim Cook said that Apple will continue to hire employees, but in a very deliberate way. Uh, obviously, didn't use the word slowdown. And he said, you know, these are following the reports that the company is planning to slow down its hiring. Uh, hiring in a deliberate way is a nice way of saying probably slowing down hiring a little bit. <laughs> like, let's be real. And that's, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's just, that's the reality of it. You know, that's the beauty of PR and spin. One person can say slow down. Another person for the company can say deliberate. It's play, just words have meanings. You want to talk metaverse? I say let's talk metaverse. Now, we know that Facebook is really pushing hard on the metaverse. Apple is really pushing hard to launch some sort of AR VR headset sometime most likely at the early part or the beginning of 2023. And in according to The Verge, based on internal meetings, CEO Mark Zuckerberg said that their company Meta, no longer Facebook, but Meta, is in a very deep philosophical competition with Apple over the future of technology and the metaverse. You know, um, the, me the Meta Quest 2, I love the product. I think they've built a great ecosystem. Developers are, are flocking to it. It has a great user base. It is, in my opinion, I haven't seen the latest numbers, but it's got to be the most popular AR, VR type headset in the market as of now, if you're talking about units sold in consumers' hands. Um, but again, Apple's coming. They both have kind of different takes. Apple's going to be a closed ecosystem. We know that. It'll all, also most likely, I can't even talk, it'll also most likely tie in to some of their hardware and advantages. And that's part of why maybe these pro iPhone 14 Pro phones have a little juiced up specs because they're going to be the ones compatible and the best optimized for Apple's AR, VR experience, whatever that ends up being, you know, Apple's headset, 
app apple glasses i don't think it's i don't who knows what they're actually going to be calling it but you know apple and meta there's still a lot of tension between them because once apple turned on those privacy features so you couldn't be tracked meta outright said that it it cost them somewhere roughly like a billion dollars in advertising revenue so not only are they competing in that space they are now going to be two of the primary competitors in the consumer ar vr headset in the next few years and so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think one thing that is not is interesting but not makes me not happy is that Meta recently announced that they are increasing the price of their MetaQuest 2 virtual headset, virtual reality headset by $100. So right now or not right now anymore, the 128 gig version which is the entry level one was would retail at 399. Today, if you try and find that, you won't find it on Amazon and anywhere else. It's going to be $399. The 256-gig version has been bumped up from $399 to $499. Now, this price change is set to go into effect August 1st. So maybe you're able to scrap one up if you really were hoping to. But the issue here is they're saying, oh, production costs have driven costs up, you know, components, the whole supply chain. So we need to increase the cost by $100. There is nothing new being added to these headsets. Not a single new feature, not a single nothing. They're bumping them up $100, and they say they're investing it. They're doing this to continue investing in moving the VR industry forward for the long term. So just wanted to let you know. Um, just some f- few nuggets from earlier in the week that are just worth touching upon for people that are interested and some of the stuff that I talked about in my recent videos the new M2 MacBook Air, obviously in the hands of everyone, and iFixit did a teardown and came up with some interesting things about it. I think the most interesting reveal from their teardown is that the new M2 MacBook Air has a built-in accelerometer, uh, the only Mac that we know, at least with the new M1 chip generation, M2 chip generation, any Apple Silicon product that has an accelerometer. It appears that there's no use for it yet, we don't know exactly what it's for. When I first saw it, I was like, huh, maybe it has to do with spatial audio. If you're moving your machine, some people are thinking, hey, if your laptop's been dropped for service and warranty purposes, it could it could tell and it'd be logged. Or maybe it could support video stabilization if you're doing any video conferencing. But up to this point, it is not being used at all. The studio display that Apple released has an accelerometer, but it's still unclear what the purpose is within that device. So as of now, the accelerometer in an M2 MacBook Air is unused, but it's there. It's like their mystery feature. Also, the M2 MacBook Air is another sign of moving forward because it is the first Apple laptop and their most current piece of hardware that no longer has a single Intel component. So in the past, uh, Apple's laptops all still had like an Intel chip that was like a controller to manage the Thunderbolt 3 and USB-C ports. Uh, That no longer is an Intel chip, but an Apple custom-made controller that now makes the M2 MacBook Air the only Apple Apple product that does not have a single piece of Intel hardware in it. And obviously, that's probably going to be a trend moving forward, but it is, I I guess, should we use the word milestone? It is a it is a point in time to show how Apple is really taking control of their own products from top to bottom and continue to try and do that. Of course, there's other components from other companies in their machines, but 
ridding themselves of the Intel relationship specifically um, shows a huge shift from, especially if you probably compare to what a laptop had even just five years ago. Um, that that would be kind of an interesting comparison. So those are kind of the two big things. The other thing to note of Apple products that have maybe components or sensors that aren't being used right now, the HomePod Mini also seemingly has an unused temperature and humidity sensor that has never been used for any data or information or updates. Uh, we we had heard a, lo- a while ago, hey, maybe a software update will unlock it. It still hasn't. And so these these could just be things that Apple puts in with ideas for the future, or maybe it future-proofs them because down the road, they actually unlock this with other future hardware. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. And then finally, for all you Apple Watch users, there's been a lot of buzz about this idea of Apple Watch Pro. So this would be like a high-end variant of the Apple Watch Series 8. According to Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, this would feature the first redesign in years, a new titanium casing. But according to Mark Gurman, this new Apple Watch Pro, and I say that with air quotes, Pro, will not have that long-rumored squared-off flat design language. Instead, it will have a different design that is kind of a derivative and an evolution of the current rectangular shape, but it will not have the flat edge, flat body design. It won't be circular. We pretty much know that for a long time. And the screen itself for this new Apple Watch Pro is expected to be slightly larger than the 45 millimeter Apple Watch face, reportedly around seven millimeters larger diagonally. Um, And then potentially, I hope this is not saved just for this device, but a new low power mode that could allow this to have longer battery life to maybe get through day two. That seems really ambitious just because my Apple Watch just kind of gets through a day if I'm using it the whole time. Uh, Maybe a little more, depends on the activity that I'm doing. If I'm working out and moving a lot, it's going to die a lot faster and checking it. Um, But it typically gets through the day, but there's no way it's going to get through two days. Um, There's still a body temperature sensor that is expected to be in the Apple Watch Series 8 as a whole. No blood pressure monitoring, no blood glucose monitoring. Uh, Those are expected to be a lot later. I think blood pressure monitoring somewhere around 2025, uh, but blood glucose monitoring towards the end of the decade. So don't, don't, don't expect those to happen. But that's kind of the latest on what we could expect to see in the Apple Watch Pro. And I think that the iPhones are always going to be the focus, the main attraction. But I do think that the Apple Watch is the most intriguing product and the most mysterious product for Apple September event that we could see. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Let's be honest. If you're listening to this podcast, you just love all this stuff and you're going to be just as hyped. And we'll see if I get an invite back. I don't know. I don't know. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's show. Before we go, we got to give big thanks to our Platinum Apple supporters at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Luce, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you so much for your support, your continued support of all my content. Thank you to all of you who continue to allow me to do this. Uh, You are all incredible, and I can't say thank you enough. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. Stick around. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll have more, plenty of more. It is cooking. It is heating up. I feel like I keep on saying that, but... It really is. And uh, I think what? The next big announcements product-wise in the tech world, August 10th, Samsung 
foldables. And then we cruise through August, and then you know what time it is, September, and it's going to be hot. All right, take care, everybody. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.